0: Hello and welcome back. You're listening to another incredible episode of Inside Soccer. With your host, Bill Peterson. Inside Soccer brings you the soccer fan. Expert analysis and opinion on the critical issues facing the game today. Bill will also bring you guests that have incredible stories and historical perspectives on the game. With soccer experience spanning 20 years, the Rolodex is open to bring you the voices and opinions you want. Sit back, and wherever you are in the world, enjoy today's episode. I want to welcome all of our listeners to Inside Soccer. This is episode seven. This is the fan episode, and this is Fan Week here on Inside Soccer. The world of sports going through many trials and tribulations related to global issues. We're seeing sporting events being held without, without sports' most important stakeholders, the fans themselves. We're not assigning any blame whatsoever, but are the leagues and the teams staying in touch with the reasons all this exists, the pleasure of the fans? Are fans being considered in the decisions, and are they getting the value they deserve? How much can fans take before they lose interest or that connection that they absolutely have now? These are just some of the questions we're going to try to answer and talk about, but we'll also talk about life in the supporters group culture Uh, We're fortunate today to have Matt Barber with us. Matt is part of the Austin Anthem, which is one of the supporters groups for Austin FC uh, in Major League Soccer. They are set to kick off next season, 2021. So they are literally uh, on the sideline watching all this unfold. And I'm really excited, Matt, to have you here today. So thank you and welcome.
1: Thank you much for having me, Bill. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, it's uh you you you're going to unlock a lot of questions that we have and unfortunately I always have a lot of questions and not a lot of time so we're going to try to keep it to 30 minutes uh and we'll we'll get through this but I think a lot of people if they don't have a lot of questions they should have a lot of questions of what's going through the mind of a fan, what's going through the collective minds of supporters groups as we talk about soccer specifically and uh at some point you know when is it too much to to sort of continue to do what you're doing uh because it does take a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time and it takes uh, even money sometimes to uh to support your local team and and I know it's much appreciated by ownership and and the people who run it but uh boy it's it's it's, it's there's there's some work involved in it so anyway let's jump into this uh, and let's get started with some just basic background and and how you were attracted to the supporters group culture, and uh, and tell us a little bit about uh, your life there with uh, the anthem.
1: Uh, well, I guess I'll start off by revealing my age and saying, I mean, I I originally grew up in Dallas, and you know, I remember being aware of the original NASL's Tornado and Kyle Roke Jr., but you know, it was really like the '94 World Cup. Like a lot of people, that that got me hooked on the sport. Um, and after moving around the, the country a little bit, you know, ended up going back to Frisco, and you know, went to a lot of FC Dallas matches, and was fortunate enough uh, to be a season ticket holder there for a period of time. So um, once we uh, once we ended up being in Austin, it was just a natural thing after we you know we knew the team was going to be coming here to. To reach out to and be you know, and be a part of the anthem, you know, to help uh, help grow help grow the sport in Austin. You know, even besides uh, MLS team, you know, there's a lot to do with uh, with the local club organizations. And you know, there's already uh, a pretty strong movement to possibly get an NWSL team here. So I think it's it's going to end up being a great a great place for soccer for sure. You know, once uh and once we're able to start playing again.
0: What does your involvement in the supporters group, so, sort of what, what's it do for you personally?
1: Well, I mean, it gives you a, a, a place to put your soccer energies for sure. I mean, it's really nice having uh, different events for, you know, for any major uh matches that are happening, you know, be it, you know, big EPL matches or Champions League matches or obviously all the important MLS matches. So, you know, it's nice to have a group of like-minded people for sure to go out and enjoy those with, um, you know, like definitely the kickoff event, uh, you know, for the announcement of the team was a huge deal and, and was a lot of fun for, for everyone. But it's, I think it's being around, you know, people that, you know, share that that love of the game, but it's you know there's a lot of us that uh, it's more than just the sport on the field. It's it's the the atmosphere of the stadium. It's it's you know the culture of being a, in a part of a group of people that are always socially conscious and inclusive. And so I think there's a there's a lot that goes goes into it beyond just the sport itself and it's it's kind of unique to soccer you know not every not every sport has fans like soccer fans
0: i think it's very unique and it's uh it's always been something i i enjoy sort of watching and you know, sometimes wishing that you could go down there and participate with them because it just looks like fun. It looks like a license to have fun at the events. And, and, uh, and I think a lot of people do, but before we go deeper into that, I want to back up just a little bit. So I've got this question and I'm going to, I'm going to go off track here for a second, but you mentioned Dallas and Frisco specifically. And, and and in past life, you know, I traveled to Dallas quite a bit and actually I lived in Dallas for three months. um, but i was at uh, aeg when uh, the hunt family and lamar decided to build a soccer specific stadium uh, in frisco and i was asked to go out and take a look at uh, where they were going to do it and see if we could learn anything for what we were trying to do and i can remember you know eventually getting to frisco going are we even in texas anymore i mean it's just, it seems so far out and there was nothing like there is today as far as development and 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 for years now not just not just today but for years now i've said you know lamar and his family uh have had a lot of great insights and a lot of great uh forethoughts on on many things and i've been fortunate to know him uh through my nfl and mls connections but boy, I would have never guessed that day standing there looking at a high school and a plot of empty land that it was going to be what it was. Living there yourself, did you think that was the right decision at the time?
1: Oh, boy, Bill, that's an MLS 2.0 argument on big soccer kind of a question there. Um, (laughs) I don't think anybody thought it was ideal, I mean, for sure, and especially, you know, once you get to where the – you know the you know, second big wave of expansion came around and everybody was looking at downtown stadiums you know there's a ton of us that were in dallas at the time you know that would have loved for the there to be a better downtown facility than than the cotton bowl which was definitely not ideal for a, a big variety of reasons but you know if you look at it realistically it was never it was also never going to happen down there i mean look the cowboys couldn't build a stadium in downtown Dallas. So, uh, if they couldn't get it done, you know, there's not even a reason to believe that FC Dallas could could have gotten it done economically. So, yeah, for for the time and for where they, you know, where the league was in its life, you know, for where FC Dallas was in their traction in the DFW area, I think they probably did it about as well as they could have. You know, there it was a choice between you know multiple different suburbs of where they would have gone. I mean it is pretty darn accessible for a lot of the city, not all of the city, but you know, for a lot of the city, uh you can get to it and you know, and you did mention, I mean, there's a lot that's grown up around it. I don't know how much of that they really planned on because there's, you know, they didn't have a lot to do with necessarily all of Frisco's growth. But I mean it Frisco's now a pretty large town in its own right. You know, it's you know, well over hundred and fifty thousand people at this point, you know, and they've got the the star there, you know, at the the Stars, the Dallas Stars hockey team practices there. I mean, and I don't know if you've been since they built the you know the the, the Hall of Fame, but it's, that's a great facility. So, you know, the short answer is no. Is it perfect? No. With the Dallas area they're be better served by a more central stadium? Yes, but it it is what it is, and you know, fans there you know need to you know, kind of support you know support what they have because they're not going to move anytime soon for sure.
0: Yeah. No, that's right. Look, some people seem to be able to uh, literally see around corners, and uh, for whatever reasons, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, uh, it has developed and worked out for them. And at the time uh, when that was being built, I mean, those were were risky propositions, building soccer-specific stadiums uh, anywhere. And it wasn't easy, and it took a lot of effort. So, you know, I've always applauded those guys that were early on, uh, and getting this done and uh, providing opportunities for other people to come in and build bigger and better stadiums. So let's let's move back to Austin, and I've got one more market question, and then we will get into uh, focusing on supporters. But Austin, for me, Austin was always a city, and I've been to Austin, I don't know, 20 times maybe. I love Austin for a lot of reasons. Um But it was always a city that people were afraid of UT. They were afraid of putting a pro team in Austin because of sort of the college culture. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it was just different. And was it going to be, you know, all-powerful, everything has to be UT in Austin and nothing else is really permitted catch me up a little bit with you know how that was addressed or or put to bed um, and how you got over it I guess uh, as a team uh, to go forward and put uh, Austin FC there
1: well I mean I think maybe 20 years ago or plus you know that would have been a bigger concern but these days honestly now you're trying you're to
0: off- age me stop it.
1: <laughs> uh, it, it you know once you're once you're off the drag you know which is you know the guadalupe you know one of the main streets that borders uh the the texas campus it, it austin doesn't feel like a college town for most of the city it's not like you every restaurant or every bar you go to has longhorn gear up or you don't necessarily see uh you know people driving around with you know longhorn decals on their cars everywhere it's not a Top of conversation everywhere. I mean, there's the full disclosure. I, I'm an Aggie. I went to Texas A&M. So, I mean, I'm, I, you know, take that for, for what you will, but there's plenty of people around town that attended plenty of other Texas colleges. And there's, you know, with all the tech companies that have moved here in the last 10 to 15 years, there's people from all over the, all over the country. So, I mean, it it just doesn't feel like a college town. You know, College Station, where Texas A&M is, feels like a college town. I mean, it's, it's centered around A&M. Everything there is all Aggies all the time. Austin's definitely – Not like that. So, I think campus was a legit barrier when it comes to looking at stadium locations and trying to get something in the downtown downtown area because the forty acres takes up a lot of space. Um, But just from a cultural aspect and accepting, you know, accepting a pro team, I think that's something Austin was ripe for. A team we all look people like me or people that didn't go to Texas, we're never going to be Longhorn fans, no matter what. Austin FC is going to be a place that we can all come together.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense. And look, I know there's a heck of an investment there, and these people have have thought this through, so uh, I have no reason to doubt that it's going to be nothing but uh, wildly successful. So let's move forward uh, to today, and uh, you know, the world is dealing with uh, this covid Uh, situation within our little world of sports. There's a lot of discussion. I'm sure there's a lot of rooms full of people trying to figure out the best way to go forward. We've seen, you know, NASCAR take a risk and go out and uh, start racing. And that, as I said earlier, that's a little bit different. Uh, We saw the EPL come back. We've seen Bundesliga come back. So uh, let's start. You guys are you guys are what eight or nine months out from from kicking off? How is this affecting you today?
1: Today, I don't think it's really impacting Austin FC dogs. I mean, they're still doing everything, you know, in the you know the build up stage to you know, to the first year. So it's all front office stuff right now. So they they can keep doing everything as is and it affects the supporters group and that, you know, the, the normal events that you would be having all summer long, you know, just either aren't happening or happening in in very different ways. You know, certainly, um, you know, once we get around to, to being in the season again, I mean, I think the idea of possibly kicking off the first ever season, you know, the first ever game in the new stadium and it potentially being either fan-free or a socially distant distance match isn't you know isn't the most appealing thing ever. So I think there's a lot of hope that there's a, a vaccine or something, you know, by then that will allow you know allow us to have a normal match day experience. But I think there's also a lot of you know people just seeing reality. I mean look at look at just what just happened with the Orlando Pride. I mean, you know, with so many of their players tested positive. There's players in almost every sport that's trying to get back up testing positive. You're reading about it almost daily. I mean we're you know, we're not in the same place that Germany is and that the Bundesliga has been able to get, you know, back up and running and, and at least to my knowledge, hasn't had any players test positive yet. We're I'm and this I'm speaking for myself for sure, not for a supporters group, but I mean I'm highly skeptical of sports, you know, in the US Playing out in the fall like like normal. So, you know, if we're looking at all that and a hopeful next spring start for for us and you know for the MLS season as a whole, I mean, it's it's hard to see it happening without there you know being you know some medical breakthroughs between between now and then.
0: So, so you mentioned this early in that answer. The, the Anthem has had to cancel uh, some of their events. Give us a couple of examples of things that you would normally be doing at this time of the year if you knew 100% you were going to launch uh, and your, your, your goal was to you know, capture the city, fill the stadium, uh, and create an incredible event. What are the types of things you'd be doing now that you just have, have had to cancel?
1: I was thinking of the lines of like watch parties because you know, I mean there's a, a diverse fan bases particularly for all the uh, EPL teams, you know, within within the group. So and then there's you know there's always been watch parties for all the major MLS matches. Um, and then any uh, you know, any of the involvement with the you know, the local clubs, you know, I mean I think there's you know that's been a problem too, because you know, even High school sports, you know, and I'm talking outside of soccer now. We're even having a hard time getting their their summer camps going without you know te- hearing about uh, positive tests. I mean, there's numerous high school, you know, high school football is a big thing in Texas, and there I've been hearing on a regular basis about uh, you know positive tests there. I mean, I can't speak to any I've specifically heard of any local club soccer teams, but um, from what you're hearing in the news, certainly about other sports, uh, it's, it's, it's a concern there as well. It's gotta be.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what happens if the season does launch and then, uh, there are, uh, you know, more positive tests amongst fans or, or players or whatever. But, uh, so Matt, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the feelings that you and or the supporters group have when you start thinking about, you know, you've got a certain period of time between now and kickoff. You're not sure what's gonna happen. Uh, You haven't created this situation, but uh, you're gonna have to deal with it. You're not an existing team, so you're not quite sure where your fan base is. Um, You're starting from scratch you know are you fearful is it a resignation and oh, throw up your arms there's nothing we can do uh how how are you guys handling this because it's it's a unique situation
1: it is i think as a supporters group um and again i'm kind of speaking just as a you know regular joe blow member not as part of the leadership but they've they've really been doing a good job of trying to keep the momentum if you will i mean they've they've Kept up, you know, different, um, uh, like, social activism events, you know, like, say, doing a food drive, um, you know, there was, you know, certainly um, some statements, you know, and and uh, community efforts um, surrounding, you know, the, you know, the George Floyd murder and all of, uh, you know, all of the company protests. Um, and they recently held a, you know, a, virtual event for, for members. Um, you know, one thing that they've been big on for, from the beginning is, you know, kind of embracing, you know, uh, pride, uh, you know, for the LGBTQ community. Um, so that's, it, it, and they're keeping up with all those things. So even it's, that's one of the good things about a soccer supporters group. It's it's not just what's happening on the field. Kind of like what I said earlier. I mean, there's just a, a whole lot more that's going on with the community. I think that's where they're focusing for now, you know, just because, you know, we there's not a lot of the normal event-related stuff that you would expect, you know, because, you know, like, leading up to the MLS, the original MLS season, you know, there was, you know, most of the communication had to do, you know, with, you know, coming to the kickoff watch parties and, you know, what was going to happen in around league matches, and it's kind of, you know, shifted a bit, you know, more to the community-related stuff, and I think that's a great way of keeping keeping everybody involved and, and, you know, to your early question, you know, definitely not pessimistic, hopeful. I mean, everybody's hopeful that we get back to sports, you know, on a normal basis sooner than later, but at the same time, I think people are also realistic. You know, there may have to be some changes if not accommodations, you know, for a period of time.
0: And Matt, what happens if we get to uh, the spring of next year and the league launches, and we're still playing in front of uh, or still playing in empty stadiums. How does that affect fandom? How does it affect your supporters group and your interest?
1: I I think that would be, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say something like devastating, but it would certainly be a setback. I mean, how could it not be? You know, because, you know, going into that launch of a new team is, you know, that's, as you well know, I mean, that's that's a time when you're going to, you know, you have an, an openness with your with your team and, you know, the relationship between the team and a city and optimism like you have at no other period of time in a sports franchise's life. You know, as soon as they start playing, you know, people are going to be mad at the coach, mad at the ownership, mad at the left back, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, in that lead-up to launch, I mean, it's just, you know, nothing about optimism. Um, so that's, if they don't have that leading into the first match, I think that'll be unfortunate. But at the same time, um, I'm confident enough in the creativity of supporters groups in general and, and Anthem in particular that, you know, there will still be creative ways for people to be a part of the launch and, you know, to still feel, still feel a part of the community. But just, you know, for the team and certainly even from a business perspective, you really hope that they're able to, you know, launch in a normal, in a normal way with a packed stadium and, you know, have that moment like every other recent expansion team has had.
0: Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. So uh, next question is, you know, how has the community reacted to uh, a supporters group? I mean, do they really understand the uh, context of, of what you do is, are there, are there sort of some opinions based on something they see on TV or the news already uh, you know, there's been even in this country there have been times where uh, some of the supporters groups have gotten a little bit out of hand uh, and maybe negatively affected uh, the entire sort of mission, if you will. How how has it been in Austin so far?
1: I think there's more curiosity. I mean, like if I wear you know an anthem shirt out somewhere, I mean I almost always get asked about it. And same if I wear any Austin FC gear. I mean, frankly, there's people that don't even understand. The concept of a supporters group. You know, there's people that have heard we're going to have a pro team, and they think the anthem is the actual team, and, and not the supporters group. So I mean, it's it, it ends up being a good conversation starter for sure. A, a lot of the time, um, and then kind of explaining, you know, the kinds of things a supporters group does. You know, whether it's you know, making TIFO together, coming up with chants, you know, just going to different watch parties, you know, or, you know all the community-related stuff I was talking about earlier, so there's, it's it's great to have that opportunity to to talk to non-fans, but I feel that way about the sport in, in general also, I mean, it's always it's always nice to have a conversation with someone that doesn't know much about the sport, although that, that happens less and less these days, but, um, but if someone's curious and wants to know, it's, it's great to be able to, to fill them in a bit, I mean, most people in town know that we have a team coming. They just don't necessarily—they aren't necessarily MLS fans, and you know they're not really into watching uh, e-matches for any other cities necessarily. For and again, I'm just kind of speaking broad population, not uh, not soccer fans obviously, but. Um, I think once we have an actual team playing games and that they're on T V and, and local, I think there's gonna be a, a lot of a lot of interest. I mean, one great thing that's you know, the Austin American Statesman, the local papers done is I mean they already have a, a soccer beat writer, you know, Chris Bills that does a great job of covering, you know, not just uh Austin FC news, but he also covers, you know, the bold, the USL team and he's covered uh you know, covers happenings around around the league and So, it's, I think the community is going to be, is going to embrace it for sure.
0: That's fantastic. And, and Matt, does, does the anthem try to model itself or do you guys compare yourselves to any other uh, teams or leagues, either in the United States or outside the United States?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think there's, there's always an element with supporters groups of seeing something that, worked or you know a, a, a chant or a song that sounded good or um, you know a, a, a logo or a look or a tifo or whatever it was that that was interesting. But you know I think every every supporters group for you know every not just MLS team but team around the world wants to create their own identity. So I think there certainly can be and is appreciation for what groups and other places have done, but I don't think I could speak to one in particular that is like, oh, yeah, the Anthems tried to be like this supporters group in particular, or at least not not from what I've seen.
0: It's probably better, you know, to, to forge your own path and be yourselves and uh, be be unique to Austin. That's, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So uh, next question, and we sort of touched on this in the very beginning, but are, are you in contact with the ownership group or the front office? Are they – uh, are they keeping you up to speed with what's happening uh, around the league as it, as it relates to the discussions that are going on? And are they soliciting feedback from from the anthem of, you know, guys? If if this is the direction we're going, you know, what's your reaction? What do you think? Can you contribute some thoughts to this? Are, are you guys part of all this?
1: I I certainly can't speak to it uh, from a personal level. I mean, I know that the the leadership uh, of the Anthem has definitely been in contact with the front office and, you know, is in regular contact, uh, with the, with the front office and, and certainly with, uh, Anthony Precourt And I know that they, uh, did a great job of reaching out to, to the Anthem during, you know, the entire, you know, franchise slash potential move process, you know, to, to get all kinds of feedback. So they, uh, I think the team, you know, has done their due diligence there. Um, during this period of time I mean there's not as much I guess to necessarily discuss or go over just because you know we're I mean the one thing that they are doing is you know they're in the middle of the, the you know the season ticket drives so, I mean there's quite a bit of communication as far as that goes but I guess as, as far as you know worrying about the season not as much you know that's because it's still just far enough off that you know I think like I said before there's still that hope that things can be back to normal by then.
0: Yeah, season tickets are going to be a big issue for any sports that are starting, uh, you know, well, starting this fall, but also this spring uh, where, you know, you're probably in the sales cycle now. And I guess the first question is, you know, if I buy a season ticket, am I getting a full slate of games or am I only invited to half the games? Uh, Do I got to move my seat location? I mean, you know, and I can only imagine uh, all the questions that, uh, a a potential season ticket buyer is asking right now. And I can imagine that, uh, the clubs unfortunately don't have all the answers yet because none of us have all the answers and there's not a real clarity of, uh, where this is going to be or what it's going to look like in three months, six months, nine months. So it's, it's definitely challenging times. It's, uh, you know, it's unique to, to sports, I think. Um, but, you know, we're all affected uh, one way or the other. So uh, next question, um, Matt, is is what do, you, what do you think the Anthem does better than the other supporters groups? What do, what do you guys really pride yourself in? What do you think you do that's just unique or better than what others are doing?
1: Uh, well, I think we have a great logo, for starters. I mean, the, the Grackle is certainly something that is very uh, unique to austin and you know, we kind of spoke to everybody for sure um, i think they did a very good job you know quickly of you know knowing knowing their lane i guess as far as uh, socially where they wanted to be and embracing it and not apologizing for it so i think that's and and that's why they've been able to do like i said with the you know recently more with um, all of the, the events that are more focused on, on social issues, issues than necessarily uh, related to soccer. So I think that's, that's pretty key. I mean, not having been a member of any other supporters group before, I can't speak to how necessarily unique it is. But I, I do know that is something that they are doing that is uh, certainly ingratiating them to, to membership here. Good stuff.
0: So two more questions, Matt. One, uh, any any really cool stories or shenanigans you can share with our listeners? We always ask uh, every guest to to think about something that maybe they've seen or been involved in that if you aren't involved uh, as a supporter or uh, in sports, you, you'd shake your head and go, what? But
1: uh, anything pop to mind? Uh, you mean Austin or Anthem specifically or just in general?
0: Well, I guess you could go in general. We'll, we'll, we'll protect names and identities. Though. We don't want anybody to get in trouble. But uh, you know, if there's anything you can share, we'll we'll take it. <laughs>
1: um, I think. Well, the the first thing that comes to mind, and I hate to admit this publicly, but uh, I mentioned earlier that I went to uh, the the announcement for you know when when Austin FC was was actually. Um, became official. Um, but I got in accidentally. I uh, Was not technically, you know, because th- they did a lottery for people to be able to get in to the event. And, you know, I was you know, at a bar where uh, most of uh, the Anthem members are. I just happened to have on Anthem t-shirt that day. And, you know, people started leaving and were singing and chanting. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go along with everybody where we're going. And, you know, got to the event and, um, you know, everybody had to have a special certain badge which i didn't have so you know at first got pulled out of line but then i think to uh, to austin fc's credit you know they saw i was kind of clearly there with the group and had a t-shirt on and uh you know said you know, just kind of go and come in and enjoy the festivities so i guess it's probably not too salacious but nonetheless you know, i think it. it It was was a fun day for me to get to be a part of that, you know, specifically. And then, you know, I appreciated the team kind of, uh, you know, turn turn a blind eye and let me in there.
0: It's always fun to be somewhere you're not supposed to be.
1: (laughs) Exactly. No matter what (laughs) age, it's always fun. It's always great.
0: Uh, (laughs) Right. Can't argue with that. So uh, anything we should have asked you that we didn't? Uh,
1: You probably should have asked me more about uh, the whole – Run up to our stadium because there that was a a pretty uh, involved process, and frankly, it was there was a long period of time where I th- looked pretty questionable if the team was really going to be able to to come here or not. And that's even when there was still the whole uh, you know potential of it just you know being a you know a move and not an expansion team. Um, and I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't say, as a fan, that I'm definitely glad. Things worked out the way they did. I'm glad that the crew were staying in Columbus because uh, you know Columbus deserves to to have a team as, as one of the originals of MLS. Um, so everything worked out for the best in the end. But you know some of the some of the stadium ideas you know were about the only missteps I would say Austin FC had because some of the locations they were looking at originally weren't weren't very um, probable. I'll say
0: yeah well, uh you know what we might bring you back on, and maybe somebody from the team when it gets uh later in the year to talk about that whole process and I'm glad you brought it up though because I do believe if 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 any of our listeners didn't follow the story it was uh it was a drama, and uh there are a lot of sides to it, and uh a lot of opinions and at times. Uh, some anger and and, uh, resentment. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, as you said, Matt, I think everybody should be happy with what the end result was. We still have a team in Columbus, which I think is important. Uh, We have a new team in Austin, which is uh, really interesting, and everyone will pull for that. And, uh, you know, the stadium, you're right. I should probably ask more questions about stadiums. Unfortunately, I think I've been through too many – of those conversations, and and it sort of uh, – I, I forget what it really means and what it's like to go through it. It's it's really, really a tough process from the day you go, wow, we'd love to build a stadium in a city like Austin till the day that you actually open up the gates and, op- and uh, let people in. The amount of work and decisions and meetings and community meetings and all the things you have to – finance meetings, the things you have to go through to get it done are just – Um, you know they're just incredible and and I will say this and we'll leave it there the people who build them really uh, really are passionate about the game they're passionate about their communities because there's just no way there's not enough money for these guys to just do this because they think it's a great investment I mean they are they are building assets for the community and for the people of the community and it is not easy every step of the way it's almost like people don't want you to do it so uh congrats on that congrats on uh your involvement with the anthem uh can you tell us where we get one of these t-shirts you've mentioned about seven or eight times now so i think i'm gonna have to buy one
1: um i think if we go to uh austinanthem.org, that's where you would be able to get them
0: All right. I'll be there tonight. Uh, Hopefully you've got my size. It's getting smaller, but it's still pretty big. Uh, Matt, we appreciate you being on here and giving us some insight into uh, a very unique situation, being part of a supporters group of a team that hasn't played a game yet and we're living through uh, COVID and other issues in this country and around the world. So uh, I think it's uh, very informative and really helps us. Uh, put into perspective, you know, what life on the ground is like right now. And, you know, there's things obviously you guys are doing, and there's some things that your hands are tied, and it's it's really tough. But we we do appreciate you being on, um, and hopefully you'll come back.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Bill, and would love to come back anytime.
0: Absolutely, and, and good luck down there. So uh, anyway, for our listeners – uh, stay tuned. Uh, this is Tuesday. On Thursday, we'll have another group of uh, fans and supporters on. This is supporter week or fan week, if you want to call it that, uh, as we dig into uh, what's happening on the ground as, as fans have to deal with uh, these issues that are popping up. Um, and as always, you know, don't miss a single episode. This is number seven. Thursday will be number eight. You can always go to uh, our website, www.insidetopsports.com to pick up past issues uh, or episodes and you can also go on to some of the, or most of your favorite uh, podcast platforms and you will find us there so uh, that wraps up uh, a great addition and uh, again I want to thank Matt Barber from Austin again and wish everybody Austin FC and Austin Anthem a ton of uh, success and, and some good luck as well to go with it